Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi. And uh, with me is uh, Armin Navabi. First of all, uh, Happy New Year. You know, this is the first show that we're recording this year. And a lot is going on while the show's happening. Uh, the topic, what we're going to talk about, is what everybody else is talking about, is what's happening in Iran, uh, the, specifically the, the, um, uh, what's happening with the U.S. and Iran, and all of the, uh, the conflicts that have been started. So basically, uh, first of all, just a quick recap. Um, uh, a little while ago, uh, the uh, Iranians, well, an Iranian-backed Iraqi militia attacked uh, the U.S. embassy uh, in Baghdad. Uh, the U.S. Um, later retaliated by uh, drone bombing and killing a top Iranian military general right outside Baghdad airport. Um, this is Qasem Soleimani. You've seen him in the news a lot. Um, he was killed. He is the head of the the Al-Quds division of the uh, IRGC, which is the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, the, um, listen, uh, the Iranian military organization. Um, and as we speak, while just before we kind of went on here and we started this show, um, uh, Iran has launched about a dozen missiles, a dozen rockets into uh, two U.S. Uh, bases, uh, housing a lot of U.S. soldiers. Uh, uh, in uh, in Iraq, so that's that's where we are right now. The news is constantly coming out. There's been a lot of false reports coming out and retracted. So we're trying to keep track of it. Yeah. Um, luckily, we have Armin Navabi and Armin Navabi. Armin, uh, for those of you who don't know, who haven't heard us before, Armin grew up in Tehran. He's very close to the events in Iran. He constantly hears from his many contacts in Iran that he hears from all the time. Um, so. Uh, and his Twitter, I'll say right now, is uh, Armin Navabi. It's at Armin Navabi. It's A-R-M-I-N-N-A-V-A-B-I. Uh, so you can follow him because um, he's going to keep on uh, talking about this and giving you the latest on this as well. So, just, so just, Armin, keep in, just keep in mind, though, anything we talk about is based on the latest that we getting at. Like, we didn't know. We scheduled the show for today. Uh, today is, what, January 8th? Um, and right before we went live on air these missile attacks from uh, Iran against U.S. bases in the United States happen. So a lot of the stuff that we, we talk about now might change in the next few hours and next few days. Uh, so the, the video version is based, you know, is happening right now, but the audio version might come a little bit later. Some of the details might change. We might, we're going to have more live stream on, on um, the Iran-U.S. Uh, conflict. So if anything, more... Um, information comes out we're going to address those later but just keep in mind that we're just dealing with really fast changing news right now okay as uh, as it happens yeah right. so so for, first of all armin is there the, there's obviously a lot of hyperbole out there but is it hyperbole i mean i know there's a lot of people talking about world war three 
but yeah. is there a war that's going to happen? Can either of these um, sides, can the, the U.S. or Iran, can they afford a war? Mm-hmm. Is it something that they want? I think they both stated that they don't really want a war, uh, but uh, at the same time, they are motivated by, you know, they have to, they're attacking each other, they're retaliating, uh, the cycle of violence is continuing, and right now it's really, really intense, so, so is there going to be a war? Well, there's a dilemma. First of all, World War Three is not is not going to happen. Like I can't believe yeah. like some people are suggesting that oh, Iran and China and Russia are going to be on one side and United States wants like what? Who, who like are, are you guys? I don't know. Like even I even some people that I follow and respect are like Kyle Kolinsky was suggesting there's going to be World War Three. Uh, no, okay. Uh, Russia and China are not going to go to war with United States over Iran. Are you serious? um okay so that's not gonna happen that's definitely um an exaggeration but the war uh, full-out war between the united states and iran it is i don't i'm not gonna i'm i'm, I'm gonna try not to exaggerate it's still uh, less than 50 percent but it's the highest it has ever been in the past 30 years the likelihood of it happening has never been this high, but still, right. but still, still below fifty percent. I think there, I would, and I would have given you a different answer just a few hours ago because just a few hours ago, the report that was coming out was that the missiles hit a U.S. base and twenty uh, something Americans were killed, and I was just on live stream uh, with Apostate Prophet discussing this. I could not understand this uh, that fake news that just uh, maybe it's and maybe this new recent one is fake news because now the update is that which makes a lot more sense to me that the it, that the Iranian government can't somehow let the American government know that they were going to attack the base and again this is just the latest version of the news this might change as well so that the Americans can pull out so that no Americans die so that it doesn't escalate to a full-out war, right? This so they want de-escalation. Both sides want de-escalation. Here's the, 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 the dilemma that both sides are facing right now is both sides want to make sure that they don't look weak. Both sides, they want to show that they responded to an attack with, and both sides don't want a full-out war. And these two, these two contradict each other. How, how can you respond strongly while allowing the other side to not respond and giving them the excuse to go to their people and say, we, we were the winners? Both sides want to allow the other side to be able to say like, oh, we won, we responded, we were the stronger one, while they can do the same thing to their people. And these two, these two positions are contradictory, right? Because if you respond, the other side has to respond as well, or else they're going to look pathetic and weak, right? Right. So I, I want to read, um, and I just want to confirm what I heard, because it, sounds, it actually sounds really bizarre. So Donald Trump just tweeted about 51 minutes ago. Okay, this is what he wrote. I'm going to read it out. He said, all is well. Missiles launched from Iran at two military bases located in Iraq. Assessment of casualties and damages taking place now. So far, so good. We have the most powerful and well-equipped military anywhere in the world by far. I will be making a statement tomorrow morning. So he's, he's going to make a statement tomorrow morning. By the time that this airs on iTunes, you're probably this is probably going to be history. But you're saying that um, 
there's reports that uh, the Iranians let the U.S. know when they were going to send out the missiles. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the, here's the thing. This is going to look pathetic from Iran's part because Iran, Iran's government's part, I have to say Iran's government. Well, once that news comes out, it looks pretty terrible. It looks pretty pathetic terrible. Because, because, like, they have to come out and to, like be like, ah, oh, like, we were strong. We showed them. We defeated the Americans. But if the, if the reports are true, again, we don't know if these reports are true. It hasn't been confirmed yet, right? But if the reports are true that they, they, they let the Americans know to get out so that they could give, give the Americans an excuse not to retaliate, then they're going to look like they're just talk and no action. Like, because you have to understand, like, when I, okay, let's, let's give some context to people on how we got here, okay? I don't know how far mm. back we should go. The, an American, I don't know how many days ago was this. But an American contractor was killed, civilian contractor, in Iraq by one of the pro Iranian proxy groups uh, in Iraq, right? And just, just so people understand, the government in Iraq is an Iranian puppet. And we said this many times, ago, many times before, and some people think that we were exaggerating. But then so many things happened that showed after that we were not exaggerating at all. Two, some three things showed that we were not exaggerating. First, the CIA report that came out. Second, the the I'll tell you what the second one is. Uh, so the contractor was killed, and then what the United States re responded by attacking, uh, bombing some uh, some hashtag, uh, some Iranian proxy groups in Iraq, killing a whole bunch of top officers um, in that proxy group and then Iran responded Iran's government responded by getting its proxy groups to protest the US embassy in Baghdad and this is what the second clue that the Iranian the Iraqi government is a is a puppet of Iran's government happened at that day because this is what the most secure embassy in the world this place was like a fortress that nothing could get in and out um, without going through heavy security. Like Americans working at this embassy in Baghdad felt extremely safe. Okay, but all of a sudden, when Iran wanted to, Iran's government wanted to protest uh, against the U uh, United States for killing its proxy officers, all the all the security stood down. For, so that the protesters come in, could come in. Like, imagine how vulnerable the Americans felt in that embassy. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So th that means that the Iraqi government was on Iran's government's side, and all that security there was like nothing. Like, just stood down, and the protesters just made it right next. Came wow. like there was a glass wall between them and all the protesters. Like, that's. that's but, you know, the, 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 but, no, but no, I'm, I'm saying that this is, this right. is such a. this actually shouldn't even be that surprising because, I mean, the whole time when, when the U.S. went into Iraq for the Iraq invasion, I mean, one of the whole ideas was that you're going to remove the Sunni dictatorial leadership, which is Saddam Hussein, and then suddenly it's going to be a democracy, and then the 65% Shia population is going to come in power, and then Iran is over 90% Shia, and, and they're going to be more aligned, right? So the whole idea was that the Iraq war itself benefited it's not Iran. Just a, it's just, so this is just a... It's not just that the Shia... Iran's government has been working on like growing its root inside Iraq since 
for the past 30 for years. What? Even when Saddam yeah, was yeah. on, like the bad army and all of that, it was always that they had... The Iraq around war. Yeah, yeah. It was always there. But then when, when, when Saddam fell... They managed to use all these networks and all the every person and all the people in the government of Iraq is handpicked by Iran. OK, this is not an exaggeration. And and again, no, that was like Bush's. It was the gift. The Iraq war was essentially a gift to Iran. Right. So then what happened massively? After that? And we're seeing that now and in, in very and now it's actually what you're seeing right now is a clear manifestation of that. Right. So what happened? Right. After it's undeniable. That? Then United States. Again, this is something that. I don't criticize Trump for this one. I criticize Trump. Again, I'm going to sound like a Trump apologist, but I'm not. I call both Obama and Trump war criminals for their support of Saudi Arabia for what they did in Yemen. So I'm not Yemen. I'm I'm not a Trump supporter. I think he's a war criminal that needs to be trialed for his war crimes, okay? But the response to the attack on the embassy of the United States needed to be extremely strong. Think about this. Iran, Iran's government has atta attacked Aramco, which is a, in Saudi Arabia, which is a U.S. ally, had attacked ships uh, from many different countries in the Persian Gulf. They took down a U.S. drone, attacked, shot down a U.S. drone. None of that saw a response by the United States. And Trump was like tweeting, tweeting, talking like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And they never responded to Iran's, to Iran's to the Islamic Republic. Again, I'm trying not to say Iran because a lot of people from Iran are going to say, don't mix us with the government. Don't say we respond to Iran because we're not part of its government. We have to say Iran's government or the Islamic Republic. So every time I say Iran, I shouldn't say Iran. I should say Iran's government, okay? So none of that's why I response. And the Iran's gov Iranian government always was saying like, oh, look, Americans will do nothing. They will do, they will, they're weak. They're pathetic. We could do, we own this area. This is our neighborhood. They have, they don't belong here and they will not do anything. But then if the, if the attack on embassy went without a response, that would be, that would prove their point. Because remember, United States embassy in Baghdad, that's U.S. soil. An embassy in another country is, is part of your country and that, you know, so this was an attack on U.S. soil. And this time Trump also came out and this, he said it's going to be a strong response. And the Iranian government, they thought like, yeah, yeah, sure. You always say that you, you're not going to do everything. And they, they well, he, he said that months ago. He actually no, no, said that he tweeted a long time that we're going to respond like very strongly. So no, I yeah, mean, but uh, those, it's, it's not like he didn't. But those never, those nothing, nothing happened to those. But he he respond this time when he said that we're gonna we're gonna have a strong response because there were other actions by Iran, Iran's governments didn't see a response. There was expectation was this was also a bluff. So I think the Iranian government was shocked by the taking out of the. Uh, of the top general, right? The Soleimani. Qasem Soleimani. Qasem Soleimani. But I, I, I don't know if people understand how significant this was. Qasem Soleimani wasn't just a top general. He was, it, it's not an exaggeration to say he was the second top influential person in, in, in Iran. After the only second to the supreme leader. A lot of people think Rouhani, the president, is powerful. The president is nothing. He's, he's just a puppet. He's just a pawn. He has no control over anything. Nothing can he can do without uh, the Supreme Leader's permission. And everything else is just for show. This is why democracy in Iran is just a, is, is, is a show. Um, it's just, you know, it's, so 
this guy was oh, most of the foreign policy uh, in, around the Middle East. Most of the, he wasn't just a general. He was he also came up with plans. All you know. Let me tell you how, how significant Soleimani was. You know, the whole point of the Islamic Revolution, the, the point of the 1979 Islamic Revolution by Khomeini was not an Iranian revolution. It was supposed to be an Islamic revolution that was supposed right. to take the entire Islamic world, at least the Shia parts of the Islamic world, right? And Khomeini, Khomeini hated the idea of Iran. People get shocked when I say this, but it is true. He hated nationalism, okay? He had to, uh, you know, the Iran-Iraq war forced him to use nationalism a bit because Iranians are very nationalistic, uh, have a lot of nationalist, nationalist tendency. But he hated that idea. He, his revolution was not an Iranian revolution. Islam above Iran, okay? For, that was what Khomeini's idea. It wasn't, the Islamic revolution was not meant to end at the borders of Iran. Was, he was supposed to become a pope-like figure like a religious leader for all Muslims and he died and that dream never came true but after Khomeini Khamenei is seems to after you know seem to be making that dream slowly come true the Shia empire was spreading all, all around the Middle East the influence of Iran's Shia empire was was taking dominance in Lebanon in Iraq in Syria Assad in, in Yemen support, yeah uh, in, in hopefully for them in Bahrain and also in the Shia part of Saudi Arabia, which has been Saudi Arabia's nightmare for the past 40 years because the, the eastern the, part, the yeah. eastern part, which is the oil rich part of Saudi Arabia. And, uh, all and, this, and also, and, by the way, and also but, not just the Shia places, but also in Palestine. Right. Uh, with uh, no. Hamas, like working with Hamas. No, no, like, that's even, not even part. That that's, that's, that's a different narrative. That's a different narrative, okay? Because yeah. they use a different narrative okay. with, with, the, with the Sunni areas. With the Shia areas, they use the Shia narrative. And all of this, all of this has been made possible because of one man, which is Qasem Soleimani. Qasem Soleimani was the person that was making the vision of the Islamic uh, Republic come true. That's why they call him the Sword of Khamenei. He, and he, he's making the, what the vision of Khomeini was come true. He was, it's not an exaggeration to say he was responsible for many things that changed the history. Like a lot of pivotal moments in the Middle East, the Kurdish independence, the defeat of ISIS, um, you know, the, this sta Assad staying in power happened because of Ghazim Soleimani. This is not an exaggeration. This man changed well, in, history in many, many places. And this guy... Including, this actually, the, the stuff that you the, what you talked about with the attack on Aramco, the attack on all of the... I mean, those are all the attacks against right. um, the U.S., Right? right, we're also all orchestrated by Qasem Soleimani so, so, directly. So, the, and, and a lot of people were introduced by him uh, to him in the last few days to Qasem Soleimani. But to to Iranian people, he was either extremely hated or loved. Right? There's there's not that many people that were in the middle with this guy. Right? Uh, they most Iranians either love this guy or hate his guts. Okay. Um, and whoever tells you it's one more than the other, they have no idea what they're talking about because there's no reliable numbers on these, okay? Uh, and both sides try to represent their side as bigger, right? Um, what was surprising, okay, so this guy was taken out, okay? And this was, when, when the news came that this guy was taken out, I thought, 
I was dreaming or something. And I thought that this is, I knew that this is one of those moments that you see on the news that you, you're going to be talking about for the next couple of decades, right? Um, like this is one of those moments that when he, when he was taken out, uh, it's going to be one of those moments that you refer to as before this event and after this event. Like, you know how you talk about 9-11, like say before 9-11, after 9-11, post 9-11. I know this was one of those trigger, those moments that triggers something like that in history, right? I, so, I got I got to interrupt you. There's been an update. There's, so what you said hmm. about the U.S. Uh, military knowing. Um, so I'm seeing this uh, around 11 minutes ago, this update. Um, that a U.S. official is saying that the military had an er had early warning of the missile attack. Right. So what you were saying is correct. Um, well, I mean, they don't say where they got the warning from, but it says a U.S. military official has told CNN, this is from CNN, CNN? that okay. the military, yeah, that the military did have enough early warning of the ballistic missile attack on air bases in Iraq to sound the alarm. People in harm's way were able to get to bunkers in time. So that's right. a, a that's that's an actual confirmation. I'm so, not so th sure. They're not saying where the warning came from, but I mean, you're saying that it actually came from the Iranians themselves, right? Or we just don't know. That's yet. what. That's what. That, okay, that, and that would make more sense to me. Let me tell you why. Okay, so the, then they took out uh, uh, Soleimani. Okay, Qasem Soleimani. Mm. They took him out, and we knew that the reaction had to be strong. Okay, because this is this this is why the. Um, this is why it didn't make sense to me. When I was right before this live stream, I was um, on another live stream with the Apostate Prophet, and we both went on, and this news was breaking in while we were on air. And what happened was the news that we were getting was like a couple of Americans were killed, like 20-something Americans were killed. And that made absolutely no sense to me because the IRGC, the, uh, you know, no matter how evil they are, the Islamic Republic, you know, Revolutionary Guard, uh, they are... Uh, they're they're extremely strategic okay they have i mean th sometimes they make some blunders that they they were pushed in that they couldn't they had no choice to um but but they are usually more strategic than this i, c I couldn't believe that they would take 20 americans out like that because that would be that would be suicidal right because if they took out the base and 20 americans were killed like the U united states would have to respond with a direct attack on Iranian soil, like I can't imagine how they wouldn't, and that would that would be just all-out war, um, and that would be suicidal for Iran. So, but I, my assumption was that they would have a, they would have an they would respond in a way that would be extremely strong, but not strong enough to to invite a. A, a full-on direct war with the United States. I assume both sides are avoiding a full-out war with the United States. So I couldn't make sense of why they would attack, they would kill 20 Americans or something like that, right? I My yeah. prediction on Atheist Republic a couple of days ago was that they will, the best response, the most strategic response by, by Iran's government would be to pressure the Iraqi parliament to remove the permission from United States uh, for them to have their troops in, in Iraq, right? And that would be devastating for uh, United States. It wouldn't be devastating for United States people. It would just be devastate for, devastating for the plans of United States government. Uh, it would be great for United States people because it will save a lot of money. Uh, but um, it would be devastating for their plans. Uh, and they, Iran could come out winning from this. 
Iran's government, sorry, could come out winning and this would be like, look, our retaliation, we didn't even have to, we didn't even have to uh, attack them. They shot themselves in the foot. They made, they gave us the winning hand. They gave, they, they, they put the, you know, we, we retaliate them by making them fully give us, give us, give Iraq to us. And imagine if, if they, if they are successful at this, if the, if Iraqi government, Again, this is going to be hard for Iraqi government to do because right now they don't even have a government. They have like a, a temporary unanimous vote to to uh, to ki to kick out United States. We don't know how, but the, the problem with that unanimous vote was the Kurds and Sunnis were not there. This was a, entirely there were only the Shias there, and they were unanimously voted. This showed to me how influential. Again, another proof of how influential Iran's government is on Iraqi government, right? So they, it, this was again. This was the third proof that we were never like long before we were saying this we were not exaggerating again the cia leaked way after we told you how much how much control iran iran's government has over iraqi government uh, the second one that proved we were right was the security standing down when the protesters moved to 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 see united states pull out because if united states pull out pull out and iran Main, comes back with full control over iraqi government even more control that it has right now that's going to, f again, that's the recipe for ISIS-like groups coming back, okay? Because when, when the Shias controlled Iraq before, they weren't very nice to Sasoni civilians. You know, the Shia, the militia groups, which are the proxy groups of Iran, they go out ISIS hunting. But when they go out ISIS hunting, they're, they're actually going out Sunni hunting. The... If you look at the Shia proxies in Iraq, they look at when they are attacking ISIS, they don't have when the, 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 the songs that they sing or the slogans that they have or the stuff that they write on the missiles, they're not anti-ISIS. They're anti-Sunni, right? All Sunnis, not just ISIS, right? Like they consider all of the Sunnis as part of Al-Qaeda and they, they, they see them as um, part of the same group, right? So... Like, like they, they, they see the, 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 the messages against Abu Bakr and people that love Aisha and people that betrayed Ali. We're going to take the revenge for the killing of Hussein, the people that are against Hussein. So they're talking, they're talking about all of the Sunni people. And the Sunni people in Iraq, they see this. They know this, right? So they're, that's why a lot of them are terrified about the United States pull, pulling out, right? So... Uh, but a lot of people, but again, so some people in Iraq, it, here's the thing that most people are not asking, right? A lot of people are asking <coughs> what, what Iran wants in the region. A lot of people are asking what United States wants in, wants in the region. And again, both United States and Iran's government, again, I said Iran, I should say Iran government. They, they love ISIS because they're both using ISIS as, a, as an excuse to stay there. If ISIS is not there... And their their agenda, both of their they say they're there to destroy terrorist groups, but they both are lying. Um, United States is in Iraq not for ISIS. United States is in Iraq to stop Iran's influence, and Iran is also Iran's government is also lying. They're not there to defeat ISIS. They want ISIS to be there a little bit so that they could tell people in the world that we're there to kill to defeat ISIS, but they're also they're there to spread their Shia empire. Okay. That their, their agenda is both different, okay? But, um, but so 
so this is what the agenda of Iran's government is, and this is what the agenda of U.S. government is. But the question that most people are not asking is what do the Iraqi wants? Because their country has turned into a playground, a battleground, a chessboard between uh, two, you know, powers fighting against each other, and they're just watching these people like ruining their country and they're like some people in iraq are saying like oh iran should stay united states should go out and some people in iraq are saying oh united states should stay and iraq should go get out and some people in iraq are saying maybe you should both get the hell out of our country and just let us rule our own country like they, we don't have our own government iraqis are saying we don't have our own government you guys are just picking at you are playing with our politics like it's your uh, playground maybe just get the everybody should get the hell out of here okay. and just let us elect a country our own uh, government but the problem with that is that a lot of people say they're not ready to defend themselves against another isis type uh, you know sunni is trying to take revenge over against the shias and again if if us pulls out and iran doesn't pull out that's exactly the recipe for another sectarian group to put to because Sunnis are going to now be angry against the Shia dominance. But the problem is if United States pulls out, you know, Iraq, Iraqi government has all the legal means to kick out Americans, but they don't have any legal means to kick out Iranians. You know why? Because the Iranians don't even use their own citizens to be in Iraq. They have Iraqi citizens that are loyal to Iran. So to Iran's government. So how how can you kick out Iraqi citizens? These are that's their country, right? So this is why it's really harder to get for Iraqi government to get even if they wanted to get rid of Iraq uh, Iran's influence, they can't. These are the citizens, Iraqi citizens that are loyal to Velayat Faqih back in Tehran. You want you wanted to say something? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to no. I just wanted to ask you uh, the question about about this. So you. Donald Trump's tweet where he said all this well and, you know, we've uh, got the best military and all that. Uh, it seems to be, it seems to totally contrast with the other sort of saber-rattling stuff he's been saying in the past. So does that mean that he's potentially, this is the first question, he's potentially accepting um, this uh, thing of de-escalation, that he's kind of accepting, okay, no people were killed, yeah, they attacked the bases, but no American soldiers have died, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and we're going to de-escalate. Let's is that a way? Is that a is that a reasonable way to interpret it? Uh, the second thing I wanted to say was that Javad Zarif, um, he he also had a tweet just before Trump's where he the said the foreign that, minister, the foreign minister of okay. Iran, yeah, he's a Mohammad Javad Zarif. So he said Iran took and concluded concluded proportionate measures in self defense under Article fifty one of the UN Charter targeting base from which the cowardly armed attack against our citizens and senior officials were launched. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so he said that. So it seems like, does it d does it feel to you like they're both ready to accept uh, yeah, the escalation? They were both okay. Both of these uh, p groups want don't want a war. Again, a lot of people keep saying that Trump wants a war for re-election. I don't. I don't think that. So, okay, I don't think Trump wanted a war. Um, I don't. His base is different from other Republicans. Okay, Trump's base doesn't like war. Okay, he's they not, don't. Yeah. They do, okay. Yeah. Trump is not. It, 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 like people keep looking at Bush and the fact that he got reelected because of a war, and people think like, okay, it seems like it's a recipe for getting reelected. Trump's base is different from Bush's bases. Yeah. Bush's base. And is actually, yeah. Let, let me add something. That this is actually a really important point to understand. So you know, there was this whole idea that when Bill Clinton 
when he was impeached with the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, he launched those two cruise missiles into Africa to to to, to for the uh, to get Al Qaeda and to target Bin Laden, and that was a distraction. Um, yes, the, there's there's an element. This is it's possible that this is a distraction, but generally Trump's base, which is something that doesn't really budge, the one thing that has made them really really get turned off by Trump, mm. his most loyal supporters. Um, in a couple of years ago was the uh, was the attack that he did on Syria. Yes. After that the was... chemical attack, hmm. when he responded, and even though it was a half-assed attack, it was very strategic not to really cause any issues. It was sort of more ceremonial and symbolic. Um, that really, really upset a lot of his supporters. So any kind of foreign intervention kind of thing that Trump does, I mean, that's one thing that he swore off of. He was the, the, Republic, he was the odd Republican out in the sense that when he was running against the other Republicans, he talked about how uh, you know, 9-11 happened on Bush's watch and how he does what he wants to get rid of these endless forever wars. He's constantly made that his rhetoric and, and his base really, really tries to hold him to that. Right. So um, that's yeah, it. And, even and, for political I, reasons. The idea that he would launch a war for political reasons actually doesn't apply to him hmm. uh, because he basically does what his base wants him to do. And his base does not want to really do Yeah, that. and a lot of people say like, oh, Trump's base will just follow him, whatever he does. This is one red line. I think that's true with almost everything except this. And we saw that in the, like Ali said, we saw that in the bombing of Assad's, um, uh, air, air, you know, bases in Syria. Syria yeah, yeah. yeah, we saw that. Like his base, some of his most loyal following turned on him, right? So this is one red line that is unlike the okay, other. So even his most loyal supporters, the people who were totally, totally gaga over him. They, I, I don't know if it's enough for them to actually leave his side. I think eventually they'll come around, but it is enough of a risk for him not to do it for political reasons. It's enough of a risk to say that it's not a re-election strategy for him. Like, even if it doesn't yeah, hurt him, absolutely not. even if yeah. it doesn't hurt him, it, it won't help him, okay? So, mm -hmm. but I do think, like, the whole killing of uh, Soleimani, this is why it's hard for me to say that was, that was uncalled for, because it was very, it's, I mean, they attacked the U.S. Embassy. Okay, attack a U.S. embassy. This is so. There's two things, two two reasons why this was like a deja vu for uh, United States politicians. One, the taking over of uh, United States embassy 40 years ago in Tehran, in uh, right after the 1979 uh, uh, 1979 revolution, and the taking of 52 hostages uh, of American personnel in in the in the in the embassy right that was a huge that was a that was the beginning of the bad relationships between like even bef after the islamic revolution in iran there was a chance for this mullah regime to still have some relationships with the united states it was that taking out the taking of the embassy that completely destroyed any possible relationships for 40 years uh, 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 from uh, for all uh, until now right and that was one this is the, the attack on the embassy in baghdad that was a deja vu for some older people, but for some younger people, right. the another deja vu was the Libya experience, right? And this is why Trump was also very sensitive about this because Trump was like, "We failed our, you know, uh, uh, our ambassador in Benghazi, and under Clinton's management, we didn't protect our our citizens, and you know, he died, and he's he he's like, I'm not going to make the same mistake." Our embassy is attacked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand strong for for our for our citizens, right? So the thing is that if if, if Iran had done so much 
in the region without any response from United States. So the dilemma was how could we take a very, very strong action against Iran while not going out full military against any of their bases or anything like that, right? So taking out Soleimani seems like a good idea at the time, honestly, right? So again, I'm very critical. Uh, uh, I'm very, very anti-Trump. But on this, I can't see how many op in many options. What are like what are other other options are strong enough against a country that just attacked your embassy? While yeah, not I think while hmm. yeah, no, sorry, sorry. I, I think that the recalling the whole embassy thing is um, is actually pretty symbolic. I know because there are people, especially with the Republican base. I mean, these people remember the older people. They remember that the Iran embassy takeover, right, uh, back uh, during the revolution. And the other thing is, it's interesting, even the n numbers are sort of symbolic, and this is something that Trump does, is that, they, you know, he said he'd attack 52 cultural centers in Iran. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. His, There's this lot yeah, yeah, about that tweet later was very own, significant, yeah. Yeah, that, that was significant. And then the thing is, the 52 was also the number of hostages, right, overall? Yes, so you know, he, I, picked, I mean, he picked the 52, exactly, this, this shows that, that earlier embassy takeover was the, on people's mind when they were responding yeah. to Iran because he Trump and he it. wanted it to go. He wanted them to go and think about that as well. That you but, know when this embassy thing happened, like he he's actually by using these parallels. And this is one thing in which he's uh, he is kind of strategic, and this is one thing he is kind of talented in. By using that, that was uh, that you know you you think of that number, you think right. of that number, and you think of the of the embassy takeover in Iran from the seventies. So this is. I, I think that they wanted very deliberately for people to recall that and hold that association and think about how grave and how terrible that situation is was and what a failure it was for the Carter administration right. at the time as well. So, but right? let's and, and put that in contrast. But let's count the steps. Let's see where we are right now. Okay, so you had yeah. the earlier uh, plan. You you first like go a couple of months back. Iran attacking Aramco, taking out the U.S. drone, attacking some. Uh, ships in the the Persian Gulf uh, and around that area and then we had uh, the taking down of I Iran attacking a U United States civilian by using its proxies uh, so this is right. that that's when it started escalating because now we're talking about the US citizen okay that's that's something that United States doesn't just let go right and then United States responded so step step that step one step two was the United States responded by taking out the, some of the top generals uh, prox of Iranian proxies um, in Hashta Shabi or the PMF as uh, as the Westerners call it again so we're still not escalating to the point you have to understand um, for the past 30 years, all the attacks between the United States and Iran has been through proxies, okay? Both Iran and United States had a secret understanding, not, a, not so secret understanding, but that we won't go to full at war as long as we use each as long as we use proxies at each other this is why this was different okay so we're still at proxies okay and we have always been with proxies for the past 30 years between between uh, iran and united states okay uh, so co contractor taken out then the hash then in, in generals were t some some top offic uh, officers were taken out then the response by uh, iran's government was the embassy attack and then this is when it, things escalated when United States took out uh, Soleimani, why was this a whole new level of escalation? Is because now we're looking at the United States 
and Iran's government directly confronting each other. So now you have United States, Soleimani, Soleimani is an Iranian citizen, the t highest official that you could possibly take other than the um, Khamenei himself, okay? Supreme so, leader himself. Supreme yeah. leader himself. So this was a new level of escalation because for the first time after 30 years, we're going at US military, Iran's military, not, not through proxies, okay? You know, I was watching some people that you know, some people, some other content creators like David Pakman, he was like saying like, oh, the embassy attack had nothing to do with Iran. These were Iraqi citizens. People are, are saying it was Iran to make an excuse for war. What are you talking about? Like, you can't believe like somebody like David Pakman would say that because uh, all of, if you look at all the, around 300 terrorist attacks for the past 40 years by uh, Iran's government around the region, Less than six of them were by Iranian citizens. All of the attacks by Iranian government have most, like 90%, 99% of the attacks by Iranian government have been through other citizens of other countries, whether it's Hezbollah in Lebanon, or Iraqis, or Syrians, or Houthis in Yemen, or anywhere else. Is you know so if what of course like this was Iran's at Iran's government's attack on the United States. So but this the, the attack on the Soleimani again was a new es new escalation because now you have U.S. military and Iran's military, right? And then this is where I thought. The strat the strategic now we're at the point where strategically it made sense for Iran to do this. For Iran to not take a military attack against the United States, but this would be such an absolute win for both Trump and Iran, Iran's military. How? How so? Like this this is what I thought would be ideal for both sides, right? By by Iran Iran's government pressuring the Iraqi government to pull out to make United States pull out completely out of Iraq, Iran could go home and say, look, they shot themselves in the wood in the foot. This is the greatest revenge we could have ever taken. They gifted us Iraq completely. They give us they gave us Iraq in a in, in a gift bag in a silver plate and we won. This was like they could have they could have used their some of their religious rhetoric like, like oh the the blood of our martyr Soleimani paid for liberating Iraq or some nonsense like that, right? But also, also, Trump could go home, and this is what Trump supporters love to do, right? Trump supporters love to say, like, oh, Trump plays 3D chess, you know, you know, deep state and stuff, all that nonsense. They could go home and be like, look, Trump always wanted to pull out of Iraq completely, but he couldn't because he doesn't have full control. It's the deep state that has full control over the United States government. So... He wants to pull out of Iraq, but he couldn't. But now he played like 3D chess and he did this move against Soleimani. And now by making the Iraqi government remove the permission of, for the United States to pull out of Iraq, the, you, the Trump forced the hand of the deep state to pull out of Iraq. And now he, he achieved his promise that he's going to pull out of Iraq by pulling this but, but Again, that's nonsense, but that's the kind of nonsense that would sell no, no, to I know, Trump supporters, right? But it would, but but the problem is that that has consequences. Because the thing is, we're talking about U.S.-Iranian relations, how they're, well, I mean, they're pretty bad, but it's never been this tense. But right now, what's more important, and this is a problem, this is a, uh, I'm getting this from an article by Megan O'Sullivan in, in Foreign Affairs, um, which is about the U.S.-Iraqi relations, right? So, Iraqi parliament votes for, you know, they say, okay, all of the U.S. troops should be uh, kicked out of Iraq. 
The U.S. has responded by saying that we're going to call sanctions against Iraq if it demands the exit of American forces. Okay, so now you have a problem. If you have tense Iraqi-U.S. relations, and if there's any kind of severing of ties between Iraq and the U.S., then all is lost. No, but... Uh, That's a really yeah, no, strategy. no, yeah, okay, but... but, 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 no, no. but uh, let me finish. So there's the other thing. The other thing is if you actually remove all of the U.S. presence out of Iraq, and this is something Obama tried to do, right? But it didn't work because when you take that out, then suddenly you have fertile ground, a ground for Iran to go nuts because they have a lot of influence in the region. You have fertile ground for ISIS to be reconstituted, like if ISIS can c- come back together. Yes. There's, there's so much other stuff that can happen. So that's another reason. I mean, I'm, not, I'm saying this from the point of view of yeah, but if you're I'll... thinking strategically from American interests, no. it, doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to actually comply with that. So how do you do that? Wait, last thing. How do you do that? How do you actually... Keep your interests intact, and at the same time, keep the Iraqi-U.S. relationship intact. No, you know, but I wasn't you know talking. I, mean? I wasn't okay, but I was talking about two different groups. You're talking about a different group of interests. Uh, by the way, we got we just got a super chat. Yeah, yeah I get that. Okay, I get that. But but still, no, no, no. Hold like, on. Let I, me re- I, I, no, Ali. Let me respond. But let me first read the super chat. Uh, super chat by okay. Celestial Nightshade is saying, "How would the Middle East respond if Iran attacked Dubai and Israel?" We'll get to that. Remember that question, okay? Um, thank you for the super chat. But let me tell me, Ali. The, I was talking about uh, t- different interest groups that you're talking about. Okay, Iranian government. Right. That would th- this would be if if. If they kicked out U.S. troops out of Iraq, this would be a huge win for Iran's government. Of course it would. And, and, if, it would be massive, and again, yeah. I was thinking that this could have been a huge win for Trump and his base if, if, they, if they managed to um, sell that conspiracy theory that this was Trump playing 3D chess and pulling out of Iraq the, the, all his plans. Of course, of course, this would not be a good scenario for Iraq. If United States was not there, but Iran remained there, and it would be not be a good scenario for, um, you know, the uh, you know United States uh, strat- you know strategy in the Middle East, um, uh, Trump, which is different from Trump and Trump his base, okay? Because no, no, but, but even no, of Trump's course, base, even no, no, I, I, because uh, listen, of. Listen, listen, even, mm-hmm. You Sorry, know. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I of course, of <laughs> this course, is a rare moment. No, no of, of course, okay, okay, of course, there's a delay here. Of there's, course, it look, would be if great. Trump stays there. Okay, uh, okay. I, there's a delay. I don't know yeah. what's going on. Go ahead, go okay, ahead. so I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak. Okay. So if, if here's the thing with Trump, yes, in the immediate thing, you know, there'd be like, oh, he pulled out all the troops of Iraq, but that's not sustainable. He sustains that. What eventually it'll take a matter of how long do you think it'll take before the the manifestation of Iran's influence in Iraq becomes like really really apparent. Who cares? He just needs to get reelected. Do you think? Okay, Trump and his base. Trump doesn't care it's about what's going to. No, Trump doesn't care base, about. I, Trump doesn't I, I care. Gotta say this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. His Trump doesn't care about the long-term consequences to the United States. Trump only cares about re-election. Okay, and this would right. be a re- This would have again. This would have been because all of that is now out the window with this new attacks, right? Uh, but this would have yeah. been a narrative that would have been a winning narrative, I think, for him and his base. Yes, strategically, it wouldn't make sense for United States and his lo- and and its long-term interests if they if they pulled out of Iraq and Iran stayed there. Okay, Iran's government stayed there. Obviously, I agree with you, uh, uh, right? Yeah, uh, politically, it would help and it would be good for him politically in terms of re-election if he was doing this in October 2020. But if he's doing it right now, 11 months before, 
I think it'll become very, very obvious who is because the thing is generally his bases. I'm really sorry, but they're generally very, very uninformed. Okay, so that the problem is that they're gonna think later on. They're gonna find out. They're like, what? ISIS is reconstituting now. Iran's taking They don't care. Iraq, no, countries. they don't care. They don't care. His base doesn't care. His base will say his base if does care. No, no, his base cares if they're involved. If it's if it's, it's going if, to be involved, no. they're gonna involve it. They're gonna involve no. the US. They're gonna involve if the ISIS, US. his, his base I, cares I, about I ISIS. consume. I I I consume a lot of his base's content. Okay. If if ISIS yeah. rises again in Iraq, as long as it's in Iraq, okay, they're like, it's there. His basically like, we don't care. That's someone else's problem. Let them bomb each other to to to, to forever. Okay, that's what his base will say. Right. Anyways, but let me let me just get back to what's happening. So now yeah, we, we got another super chat. We got another super chat okay. from Mir Jalal. Um, and Mir Jalal, thank you for the super chat. He's saying it's not that Trump's base is anti-war. They're specifically anti-Assad war. Richard Spencer and Alex Jones said the same in their statements. They said that Trump attacked their friend. Um, I no, I actually, actually think, I don't think that's completely true, but well, I think that that is a good point. No, no, in the me... sense that they are really taking me... out ISIS. Trump said we're going to bomb the shit out of ISIS. He said all of this stuff. His base loved it. They're not worried about. That I will kind prove of you wrong. In a them few going seconds. against Iran, like all of his like hardcore pro-Israel supporters, they're very very happy about Trump going after Iran. I don't think it's just a matter of just pure foreign intervention. Okay. I think it's a matter of Can what, I prove you what wrong? that intervention looks who, like. Look, who's the person that... Mir, by the way, thank you for the super chat, right? But you mentioned who? You mentioned yeah. Richard Spencer. So when, when Trump attacked Syria, what did Richard Spencer do? He changed his flag to Sir, on Twitter to the Syrian flag. Go look at Richard Spencer's Twitter account. Here, I'll show you right now. Twitter account right now. Look at the flag that he Richard Spencer has on his Twitter account right now. It's the Iranian flag. So he's do, they're doing the same thing. Look, they're doing the same thing that they did before. Can you see this? Richard Spencer, <laughs> no, there's a, the Iranian flag between Richard and Spencer, exactly what they did when Trump attacked. So now Richard Spencer is defending Iran against Trump, against Trump, just like they did with Syria. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but Richard so Spencer a... <laughs> isn't his base. It's not the no, only but part of no, the but I'm Richard responding. I know it's not. Outlier. I know, but but Mir, but our super chat is, was mentioning Richard Spencer. That's what I'm, the, the response. That okay, I'm yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. Right. But we're, I don't want the Richard Spencer thing to derail this. Right. Okay. About okay. This okay. Guy. okay. I, I'm saying in in general though, right? Trump did run against ending these forever wars, but he also talked about. We got to target Iran. We got to target ISIS. Like these two targets are something that oftentimes his base actually is uh, seems to be okay with. And these are the two things. These are the two things: Iran and ISIS that will be inevitably, inevitably strengthened. You know, within weeks, months, if the U.S. withdraws all of its troops from Iraq. So they know that. The problem is, look, they're not going to. Trump is not going to withdraw the troops from Iraq. Doesn't matter how good it looks for him politically. But the thing is that how does he do that, not withdraw troops from Iraq without severing U.S.-Iraqi ties? Because if he does either of those things, if he severs U.S.-Iraqi ties and if he lets it get worse by saying threatening them with sanctions, then that increases that, that also increases Iranian influence. In Iraq. I agree you with you. I, mean? I would I agree with you. It would be devastating if if Iran right, has focused. I agree with you with that. Yeah. I'm just talking about from Trump's perspective and Trump's intentions. Trump's intentions. But yeah, I, it would I be it. it would be I would I was just saying this. If Iran 
Iran's government manages to like it already has full, almost full control over the Iraqi government. It has been decreasing a little bit in the past, uh, past couple of months. But if if United States pull out uh, completely, it will be absolute control, and this will be devastating. It will feed not only uh, um, ISIS-like groups, Sunni, uh, Shia-hating groups will have up uh, open range to grow, but they will have not just the not just the, the vacuum to grow, but also the motivation. The va there will be a vacuum because the United States will be pulling out, but the motivation because the, the Shia dominance again, the Shia dominance of Iraq over Sunni people will give the motivate, like will give the narrative to Sunni groups so that they need uh, the defense against the Shia evil Shia people that are dominating over yeah. them. Right? This is exactly how I ISIS got, got, was created. Yeah. But go on. But I gotta interrupt <laughs> you again. Because the world is just getting stranger and stranger by the minute. So uh, apparently just right now, a Ukrainian Airlines plane uh, that took off. No, don't don't mention don't mention that because that seems like a technical stuff. It, it will it's a conspiracy it, thing. I know. No, yeah, it will confuse. Connected, don't mention so that. That will confuse. Ukrainian Airlines plane. That was that's going to confuse people. In Tehran, that has nothing to do with any of this. It's going to confuse people. Okay, so let's go back to the news. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So, yeah, that I <laughs> saw that. There's a conspiracy. Ukraine, yeah. Tehran. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Everything in the news. Right. Like, this is not helping. That, you, do you <laughs> doubt that anybody's nobody's gonna look at this? This yeah, is like one of those Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself moments. This is conspiracy fuel. What timing? I mean, I know this is right in the field day. For, uh, field day. And uh, I, 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 this is the first time I actually wish, just for entertainment reasons, that Alex Jones was still on Twitter. All right. but, oh my God. but let's get back because anyway. where, where, where were we? Yeah, we're, let's get back we're, to it. Yeah. So we were at step what? What step were we? Okay, so. Um, Ne ne this was this is this would have been ideal this in my in my and i predicted this and it happened it happened you know iran iran's government pressured and it went and i couldn't believe it just one half a day after i said that it, it the parliament voted in and it was it was beautifully done strategically done by iran government the Kurds and sunnis boycotted it and it was a unanimous vote in the parliament i'm like wow what a major win for iran's government but then what shocked me was this morning was that the news the fake news that apparently the fake news i don't know we'll see how things change was that the uh, Iranian government hit the military, Iraqi, uh, United States military base in Iraq and killed a whole bunch of Americans. Now we know they didn't kill anybody. But the reason why that was so shocking was because it, it, it why would they do that? That seems to Swiss, like that was so out of character to me. Like I was speechless. I would like I have no explanation for this because it was yeah. so it was so out of character for IRGC. Usually there this seemed like such a Trumpian thing to do. Uh, it seemed like such an emotional um, reaction that seemed like suicidal. Like that, if you killed so many American civil civil uh, citizens uh, soldiers, um, United States will have no choice, no choice but to go out on all that war with Iran and and why Iran will not survive that. Um, this was a scenario that neither Iran's government or United States government would want. So I didn't understand why would that be the news. But now, 
it seems pathetic that they that they leaked the information, but it makes more sense it's, it, uh, that they leaked the information because it's for the United States to, to pull out this. Uh, but it seems it's, it seems very weak because a lot of like I was reach, watching a lot of the funerals for, uh, in Iran. Like the number of people that showed up in Iran has ne- uh, for the funeral of Soleimani. I've never seen crowds those that big in Iran. Like they have outdone all the protests against the government. It seems nothing compared to that. And I know a lot of the people on my side are going to hate this. A lot of Iranians on my side are going to hate this because they say, like, they're going to tell me, like, Armin, why are you saying the crowds were big? The crowds were big on for the support of Soleimani only because the government of Iran forces people to come out, forces people to, they're going to lose their job, forces people like, oh, they're going to do this or do that if they don't put pictures of Soleimani out. That's not true because... We have seen them use those tactics before, and the crowds were not this big. The crowds were never this big. The only time the crowds in Iran were this big were when Khomeini died for his funeral around 30 years ago. For 30 years, like the crowds that came out for Soleimani's funeral in all the cities were insane. So if yeah, people, that was crazy. And if people are saying, like, Armin, even if the crowds were 1 million, and they say that's the highest estimate that you come up with. Um, that's 1 million out of 81 million, okay? Well, oh, if, come on. if you yeah. say that, then all the, these are the same people that look at the protests that were anti-government protests. Well, what are you going to say about that? Because those, those didn't even reach 100,000. They didn't even yeah. reach 10,000. So what are you going to then... But, as but a percentage, Armin, like, what about, hmm. what about the idea that this is... Because uh, the thing is, I mean, these crowds came out, but there's also... And and yeah, the, I I th- I think that you know I, I was guilty of making this mistake myself too, but I I think that it was probably because like what you're saying is that there's a lot of people who really love Soleimani and there's some people who hate him, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who really really like him. So, but but is it like because the idea is that in, it's Iran, right? So you know how Saddam Hussein always had these huge turnouts for the elections and always won by ninety eight percent of the vote. I mean, is this something that could be orchestrated? Considering we're talking about Iran. That what all these people come out, or did they all come out generally? Not to this, like, uh, you yes, know, the but the government ha- does a campaign that you guys have to come out, everybody come out, everybody come yes, out. Yes, but the thing out. is that they have done that for th- for the past forty years, and we've seen the size of the crowds when they do that. This size of okay. this crowd is unima- was unimaginable. Like they couldn't pull up this. Th- and let me okay. And this is why. So they, I was one of the people who's skeptical. So I was fair. skeptical too, but the okay, number is way too high because also if you look at the, the the people that are showing up, it's not just the religious people. And this is why this is why it's so interesting about Soleimani. Okay, so Soleimani was obviously a very religious man, but 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 it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. It's very surprising to a lot of people. A lot of Again, a lot of people that hate the government, a lot of Iranians that hate the government in Iran also hated Soleimani. But surprisingly, some people that hate the government in Iran loved Soleimani. And that seemed like a contradiction. How could you love, how could you hate, how could you hate the government of Iran? But Soleimani, you saw that as separate, okay? And this is the, this, this is a battle of two separate ideologies dance it's a dance between two different ideologies among the people of iran right so for when i when i when i grew up in iran you always saw the iranian people as members of two camps it was very black and white in our mind as kids uh, and you there was um, and there was no like middle ground right this is why 
these new middle grounds, which I'm going to explain, seem a little bit confusing to people that are used to the two polar opposites of, uh, of different groups in Iran, right? The, the people uh, that were anti-government used to be like less religious or anti-religious um, people that more they had they didn't they didn't have an Islamic pride or a religious pride. They had this nationalism pride. They had this um, Persian Empire pre-Islamic, you know, uh, a pride of what Iran was before this barbaric Arabs came and ruined Iran. They had this. They they they, they have this racist tendencies as well against Arabs, but also and also they were a little. The very anti some of them very anti-Islamic, some of them not maybe anti-Islamic, but definitely anti-Mullah um, Mullah regime. So these this was one camp, more more nationalist, more pro-Iran, not Islam. And you'd had the other camp. The other camp was more Islam, Islam, less nationalism, more you know some nationalism, but at least religious nationalism, not like this whole Persian Empire nationalism. Nationalism mixed with Shiism, like a Shia version of you know their Persian, the Iranian pride was because it was a home for Shia Islam, that kind of mentality. And these these two were in conflict with each other, right? For for the past mm -hmm. forty years, mm, and right. we but yeah, another super. But I, I need. Yeah, yeah. Let's finish what you're saying, and then I'll okay. get. Okay. So, but 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 what's happening? What the the, the investment of some more strategic parts of this government has been to invest in the national. You know, they they tried investing in national in the uh, in nationalism, not just religion, when the Iran Iraq happened against Khomeini's wishes, because Khomeini only wanted to invest in. Islam, not in ir Iranian nationalism, but the Iran-Iraq war yeah. made them f invest a little bit in nationalism. And now, recently, after Khomeini's death with Khomeini, they're playing more with nationalism, right? And yeah. using nationalism rhetoric and narratives, and li a little bit less on Islam. And it seemed to have w worked. It seems to have touched a, a little bit of a soft spot on a lot of these anti-Islam people that want to see a strong Persian Empire that takes back the domain of the Persian Empire that belonged to them, take it back from the Arabs that, you know, these lands that were taken away from, you know, by the Arabs 1400 years ago, bring it back to Iran, right? Show some dominance, show some strength, stop being this pathetic little country that is being used by all these Westerners, right? So that, that Persian pride seemed to be you know, a lot of these people like saw Soleimani as this guy that was making those come true, and they were willing to look past his religious, his his Shiism. They, some of them even passed look past Khamenei's Shiism and tried to look at him more from a more like a king rather than a religious leader. Like they tried, so, even some fractions even did that with Khamenei, which is weird because he's a religious leader. But they tried to do that. But which is so. This is why. Uh, if you look at it's very interesting if you look at the map of the Shia empire that the religious people are trying to build around the Middle East it matches perfectly with the Persian empire the pre-Islamic Persian empire that the Sassanids the Sassanids dynasty in Iran had before the Arab invasion and this is why the Iranian government can play two narratives at the same time with the Shia, with the religious Shia say look we're bringing back the Shia 
family together, the Shia unity, and with the less religious Persian, you know, Persian pride nationalists, we could be like, we're putting the empire back together again. And that's the narrative that you could play with both sides at the same time. And again, with the race, you could play the racism that the nationalists have with this anti-Sunnism. That the, so the Shia people they hate the Arab Sunnis, right? So that you could play with that, and with the nationalists they hate the Arabs because they're racist. And again, you could play yeah, that yeah. game at the same time with both of them. And this is why, right? And this is why Soleimani was such a for a lot of people, uh, for, even for the non-religious people, seemed like a, a, a figure. To admire right uh, again not all of them a lot of people hate him rightfully so because he is a terrorist in my opinion i will tell we could go over why i think he was a terrorist but a lot of even non-religious people had called him dear and this is why the trump tweet was such a stupid tweet the one that said that we're gonna have the 52 sites he said cultural sites okay that was i can't understand like that was the dumbest the tweet the best stupidest thing the, the, the best well, his 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 own people walked it back right yeah but I mean, uh, but that was such a gift to the iranian regime because here's the thing the iranian regime wants to create some unity between all these different groups right they want to bring like tell you know the people in iran that hate the, uh, the islamic republic the mullahs the the uh, the velayat faqih regime they want to be like, look, don't hate us, hate America instead, right? So when when Trump comes and says, what is to the non-religious, um, per, you know, Persian Empire pride people in Iran, what is sacred to them? Because it's not the Quran, it's not Islam, it's not Muhammad, it's not Ashura or Imam Hussein at the Mahdi. What is the sacred stuff to them? Is Shahnameh, is the Pers police, is these cultural sites, is the pre-Islamic cultural sites, right? So as soon as Trump tweeted that we're going to come and hit the, your cultural sites, these people were like, what the hell? So the, it proves, to it showed to them that the regime, when there's the regime, Khamenei came and said, way before, months before Khamenei came out, and I couldn't believe this. He said, like, this is not about religion. These, our enemies are after the Iran itself. And to me, that speech was amazing because Khamenei, which is supposed to be re re religious supreme leader, he came out and said, this is not about religion. It's about the Iran, Iran's identity. So it seemed to me like he was trying to unite the non-religious people in Iran with the religious people in Iran. And people didn't believe them. They're like, no, they want to come after you guys. Maybe Trump, like a lot of Iranians were like, no, Trump is going to support us against you guys. But some people believe Khamenei. And this tweet was such a gift to Khamenei and his ilk because it yeah. proved to them, like, look, they're, they're, they're after the identity of Iran, not just us religious mullahs. They're after Iran's identity. And this is why so many Iranians that are Trump supporters and want Trump to come liberate him, they were desperate to... Um, they were uh, they, they were desperate to reinterpret the tweet by Trump to something else. They were, some of them were even going by cultural. He means religious cultural. Like, don't worry. Trump is just going to come and hit the religious sites, the Islamic sites. That's what he means. Like, that's, that's good, right? Trump is going to come and get the, like, the... Um, what is it called? The sem Islamic seminaries, the Jose El Mies. Yeah. That's what he's going to hit. That's what. The, but for, for yeah, for them, for them, yeah. the Islamic stuff is the that is the colonialism 
that of, destroyed local ancient Persian culture. Yes. And they want to go back to the Persian culture. So what Trump did was he basically he brought everybody together under one of those things. Yeah. So I, I'm going to uh, go on. Not this. everybody, so, because, but 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 it, it really helped a lot of people get uh, become anti, more anti-Trump and see like maybe we should yeah. maybe this maybe because they don't because the best thing to unite to get the anti-government people to go back to supporting the government is to create this external enemy you know to you know you're helping the the mullah sell the idea that hey at least we're protecting you against these crazy people right so right, why right, would you right. do that for them why would you do that for them why so, the, yeah but go on I, another weird uh, coincidence and again so this is also going to go for all of you conspiracy out there ethereus out there enjoy this one uh, there was actually an earthquake that hit uh, one of the one of the sites that was bombed uh, that was uh, that Iran hit the rockets to one of the U.S. bases, like over there, there was a four point nine Richter what? scale uh, Why earthquake that just happened. Why are you feeling conspiracy stuff to people? I, I, I'm you... just it's just a strange day, Armin. Mm. It's just there's all this stuff. It's really weird stuff that's happening over there. So that that actually hit there around the same time, about two hours ago. Right. So um, there you go. That's that's also interesting. A lot of people are saying it's because it. Nuclear testing and everything. I don't know. Again, we don't have any no, evidence, but I think it's stop it. You know. You're feeling there you conspiracy. that's for all of you guys. <laughs> what? Like what? what? You enjoy too. you enjoy feeding people conspiracy. I am not. No, yeah. I'm. I have. I'm a psychopath. Yeah, that's what I am. Okay, and we have the super chat. Uh, Azad Mufakir is saying uh, he's from New Zealand, and he's saying on a lighter note, uh, on a lighter note, Ali's beard is making me hot. I just please keep on commenting, keep on commenting. This is great. Yeah. My beard is making him hot, uh, and he's also saying, "How will the Democratic candidates deal with it?" And I think that uh, it's a weird thing. I I think it's confusing a lot, a lot of them. I did see Elizabeth Warren who was on the View, and she was arguing with Megan McCain. Megan McCain was trying to get her to admit that uh, uh, Soleimani was a terrorist, which, to her credit, she did. She said, "Yes, of course, he was a terrorist. He was part of." Um, the IRGC, which the U.S. has designated a terrorist organization. Uh, so she said it. Uh, they're all uh, the right thing for them. They're kind of caught in this thing where they don't want to encourage Trump's recklessness um, that, you know, he's going to start another war um, in, in the Middle East or in, in Iran in this case. And then on the other hand, they want to balance that with not looking weak. They also want to look tough that, yes, our embassy was attacked. Um, and uh, this is something that we have to retaliate against. But yeah, taking out Soleimani, he was a terrible, terrible person. He was a terrorist. He was everything. But this was uh, not the right time and not the right way to do it. So I, I think that they're generally uh, going with that approach uh, in terms right. of starting a war. They're drawing parallels to when Bush started the Iraq war under false pretenses. They're saying that this is basically the outcome of that war. What good was that war when we're ending up here now in this situation? So this is... The consequences of it, and now we're doing the same thing again. Trump's doing the same thing again. So I think that's their narrative. They're so, just like Trump is trying to recall, uh, get people to think again about the uh, Iranian embassy takeover in the seventies during the revolution. Um, the Democrats right now are trying to get their base or their people to start thinking about the Iraq War and what a what a terrible mistake that was, and how this is the, the parallels with this. So, um, so just you know, you they have their thing. Yeah, go ahead. So just a, one thing I noticed is that everybody that wants to make, uh, point out how bad Soleimani is, which he is, just they're yeah. so tribal about it. Like if you look at American outlets, they point to the 
Americans that Soleimani is responsible for their killing, right? And if you look at right. Iranians, they point out to the Iranians that Soleimani is responsible for their killing, which is everybody is ignoring Soleimani's main, main crimes, which is um, Sunni civilians, uh, which is way more than the Iranians that were killed, and also the poor Afghans, especially the kids uh, that, were, uh, that were used as child soldiers, more than 5,000 of them apparently. This is this crazy, like, uh, this shows to me like people, they don't, they don't seem to care about human lives. They're just so tribal about like, like somebody is only a terrorist if they killed so many of your people. But Soleimani was a terrorist mostly to Sunni civilians, okay? Why do they, mm -hmm. why do Iranians and Americans don't care about Sunni <coughs> civilians, right? That, that, those are, again, hashtag not all. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're good people on all sides. Yeah, but yeah. this shows that so much tribalism exists on all sides, right? Uh, but those, right. Are the, those are the people that Soleimani harmed the most. And he is a terrorist. I, you know, I keep seeing people like Kyle Kolinsky keep making excuses. They call him a peace, Soleimani peacemaker. I mean, and they're calling... They're saying well, he, did he really say, yes, did he use that? Word? Yes, yes. And no, I'll man. tell you why he Come said, on. yeah, he did. And he also said, like, you know, Shias are not terrorists. The Sunnis are terrorists. You know why Karl Kolinsky thinks that Sunnis are terrorists and Shias are not terrorists? Because the Sunnis do attack Western um, civilians. But Shias, they're terrorists too. They're bigger terrorists. But they only see them, they see them as... Uh, I wouldn't say bigger. No, but... let me tell you why they're bigger terrorists. But they, because they are mostly killing Sunnis and not Americans. So apparently... They're not terrorists because Shias are not killing Americans as much as Sunnis. Do you know what I mean? Like Sunni terrorists show up in Europe and North America, but Shia terrorists usually don't show up there. So apparently they're not terrorists because they're not killing your people. But in my book, they are terrorists because they're killing civilians of other countries. Because unlike you, Kyle Kalinsky, I care about civilians not just in certain countries that I belong, that I happen to be born with. I care about civilians everywhere. Soleimani was definitely a terrorist. In fact, in fact, Shia terrorist groups are bigger than Sunni terrorist groups. I can yeah, hash the shabby Hezbollah, um, Kitab al Hezbollah. Uh, who, like there's so many. There's and they're way more well funded. They're way more organized. They're way more trained than any of your ISIS and Al Qaeda and all the uh, you know all the other Sunni terrorist groups combined. They if yeah, that, there's a. I mean, there, there's you can. It's okay to talk about, and it's actually completely legitimate to talk about whether this was the right thing to do, whether it's too reckless, whether you know uh, this was the right timing of it. What are the consequences for U.S.-Iraqi relations if the severing of that happens? Does it make Iran more powerful? This is so, such a such a. Uh, there's a definitely a substantive conversation over here that you can have about it. But part of that conversation, if you're trying to say that Qasem uh, Soleimani was somehow a good guy or he's a pacemaker, well, that's that's a problem because just because the guy is over there and he's not Western or he's not Jewish or, or whatever it is, just because of that, if you think that he's He's a great guy. I mean, this, if you, especially if you're anti-Trump, I mean, this guy is basically, if you took somebody like one of the, these hawk conservative politicians that you really hate, like John Bolton or one of these guys, and then you 
to remove all checks and balances and just let them do whatever they want to. And there's no, there's no uh, other branches of government to hold them accountable. There's no democracy to hold them accountable. And they're just basically going running amok. That's what the Soleimani guy was. So you can't uh, – it's, it's a bizarre thing to try and defend him. So, uh, no matter how substantive your argument so is actually, against pe- taking people in the live chat are pointing out he didn't sp- he, he said he's on a peace mission right so he's more like rather saying he's a peacemaker but he keeps saying that in every video oh he was on a peace mission he was on a peace mission as if Soleimani as if that's something positive about Soleimani I'll tell you what he means by he was on a peace mission uh, but again Karl Kolinsky thinks that Sonys are terrorists, Shias are not terrorists. That's absolutely ridiculous. If you care about all human lives, uh, not just American lives, then Shias are absolutely terrorists. Um, And also, uh, David Pakman was saying that... um, Not all Shias, just... Yeah. Shias are also involved in terrorism. Yes, like yes, Sunnis. yes. David Pagman was saying, like, well, this, these parks, these were Iraqis, not Iran. So this is was not an action by Iran. That's absolutely I can't believe. It's very interesting because it's good that I see them making such blunders like this because it makes me scared. Because I, I, those, these are my left-wing sources of news. So when, when, when they start talking about something that I know about and I see how many mistakes they make, it makes me skeptical about when they so- talk about stuff that I don't know more about. Like, oh, my God. They might be making all mistakes on those things as well, uh, because I know they're making a mistake here. Anyways, so the thing is, David Pagman was uh, no, sorry, Karl Kolinsky was saying that uh, Soleimani was on a peace mission was because uh, apparently there's some reports that he went to Baghdad. He was in Baghdad to meet with some Saudi people to uh, because Saudi was interested in talk, starting to talk with Iran um, um, uh, to, to be more friendly, friendly with Iran. And the problem with that is that you cannot describe that as a peace mission. That's a submission message, a mission. Because what happened was um, they, they attacked Saudi Arabia, they are Aramco, which uh, again, I have no um, sympathy for Saudi Arabia, but Saudi Arabia was coward they are doing an ipo at aramco and saudi arabia realized how vulnerable they are and that was like a very small attack iran just iran's government just signaled to saudi arabia that we could wipe you out like we could destroy your economy like your all the defense that you bought from united states all the billions of dollars they didn't stop a few of our drones think about what we can do against all your oil assets if we just went all out on you and saudi arabia this is why saudi arabia changed its narrative overnight they're like okay because they were begging uh, united states to go to war with iran now they're begging them not to go to war with iran because they saw how vulnerable they are and now they're like, okay, we're going to talk to Iran. So this was not the only, the peace, the so-called peace that the IRGC is interested in is, is submission, is is you know is is surrender, right? Because any because I can tell you, IRGC is not interested in peace. The only peace that they would be interested in is the is a peace that comes with total domination of the Middle East. But even then, then they're not going to be satisfied with peace because after the Middle East, what is the next goal? It's Israel. They, they're never going to stop until Israel falls. What what is the quotes? So the the branch of the, the Quds uh, army yeah. the Quds army what is Quds mean what is the, the branch of the IRGC that Soleimani is Soleimani the, lead, is the, the leader of. the head of is called the Quds Quds means what Quds means Jerusalem Quds means Jerusalem because they're 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 
their group is named after their final destination. That's what their the whole goal of the IRGC, the whole goal of the Quds Army is to take the Middle East and then eventually the final victory is to take down Israel. So to say that he was on a peace mission, there is no peace mission. The goal is to take down Israel. That's their final mission. Any form of peace that they're interested in is at is domination and submission of everybody until they completely dominate the Middle East, including Israel. That is the peace that they're interested in. So yeah, don't and, and the thing is, yeah, the the Saudi Arabia point is really because a lot of people saying Saudi Arabia would be celebrating this, but you're actually this is a this is a really strong point. Aramco, which which Iran attacked, right? Aramco when they did the IPO for a brief period, Aram Aramco became the very first two trillion dollar company in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have trillion dollar companies like Amazon and Apple. Aramco was actually two trillion. It was worth two trillion dollars at one point. So it's a it's a very very uh, important asset for them. Uh, there's a, a couple of more things. So the um, yeah, they're cash. Iran, Saudi Iran is now, cash. Yeah, they're desperate. Iran, Iran is now threatened. Hmm. Yeah, I- Iran has now threatened to attack inside America if the U.S. responds to the missile attacks. Yes, um, I that's saw one that. thing. Yeah. But um, so yeah. But it, it's and, very and interesting. The other update. Can can I just see, say I something? think this this one's on. Mm. Yeah, I, another thing I just want to add to this. Another thing. This is a, another an update from CNN. Uh, they're saying that South Korea is closely monitoring the situation as well, yeah. and they're looking for the safety of South Korea. Every country is monitoring this. I was even seeing the Philippines is monitoring this. It was like how, like I saw in Philippine news yesterday, how is the U.S. Uh, Iran tensions going to affect the Philippines? I'm like, what? Like every country, every country is looking at this. Ali, are you there? Your image is frozen. Ali, do you guys have me? Or is it Ali is gone or everybody's gone? Let me know if you have my audio. Somebody, Beach. I think we got lost Ali's idea. Is is it me or is it Ali as well? I think it's just uh, somebody in the live chat. Tell me if the if you have my idea. Because I don't have Ali's idea. I want to know if um, if at least I'm on. Anyways, answer. Ask me some. Um, Ali might be gone. Uh, okay, B is saying Ali might be gone, but am I good? Ask me some questions so I can answer you. Only Ali is gone. Okay, Ali is gone. You're here. He's gone. Okay, okay, okay. Good, good, good. At least I'm here. At least the whole thing is not gone. Uh, Ali, if you can hear me, please disconnect and come back again. Um, so here's the thing, though. While uh, while we f- uh, see if Ali is going to come back soon or not. Uh, Ali needs to get better internet. I keep telling him. I'm in a third world country right now, and Ali is... Um, Ali is in a first world country. I don't understand how I'm getting so much better internet than he is. Um, but okay, so there, what I was going to point out was that Ir- Iran seems to be Iran's government seems to be doing something that they accuse Trump of doing. Okay, Ali I'm back. back. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I, I can hear. You, but let me just make All this right, point. Yeah, okay, let me just good. make this point. Yeah, I got cut let, out. Yeah, let me just make this point. Trump. P- Iranian government was always saying like, oh, Trump make these big, big threats, but he never follows it up by an action. Okay. He now he followed it up. He killed Soleimani. That was action. That was definitely action. Right. But now if you look at what Iran is doing, Iran's government is doing, which they are forced to do 
is that they are attacking the United States base. They warn them to get their soldiers out. And they're saying, they're beating their chest and like, oh, look at us. We're strong. We're strong. We're going to come attack Dubai, attack Saudi Arabia, attack any country that allows the United States to use their bases in, uh, to attack Iran. We're going to attack um, Israel, uh, Tel Aviv, Haifa. If, if United States attack us, we're going to attack United States on their own soil. These are all the threats that are coming out of Iran. Um, but, but they attack an empty base with no U.S. soldiers. So now... It looks a bit pathetic from Iran's government side because they're like, oh, where's, where's the big revenge that is coming from Soleimani? And they attack this base with no U.S. soldiers in it, right? But it looks very pathetic, but honestly, it's better than them attacking a base. It would have been more dumb if they attacked with a base with soldiers in it, right? That would have looked stronger, but it was also would have been suicidal. I honestly think the best play would have been to say... That we don't need to take military action because uh, United States just took themselves out of Iraq. That should have been their play. That should have been like we 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 moved. You know, the goal of the Islamic Republic of Iran is to remove United States out of our neighborhood to get let them get them all go home. And look, they did it to themselves. That should have been they they made themselves. Uh, take their revenge for us, right? That should have been their play because this, honestly, this attack on a base with no soldiers in it looks pathetic. But, honest, but it would have not satisfied pe people in Iran, uh, the people that loved uh, Soleimani, they wanted revenge. They wanted revenge. I was listening to a lot of the people that showed at the funeral. They kept on asking, when is the revenge coming? When is the revenge coming? They wanted blood. Right. So if another problem with Iran's government right now to all these people that love Soleimani is that if they do something military, they were saying we don't want just like something legal, something that, oh, we're going to not um, the parliament in Iraq is going to draft a bill and they're going to remove the military out of Iraq. They're like, no, we want military action. So they can't all these interviews kind of forced Iran's government to satisfy these people somehow. But I don't know if they're going to be satisfied because it looks pretty weak if they if the news is solid that they warn Iraqi the the United States then the the pro Soleimani Iranian people are going to be like what the hell why did we warn them right why did we warn them they took our number two and you war you can't even take low level soldiers like they're gonna they're gonna demand blood right so I don't know how this is gonna play out. Um, you know how are they is you know but they're gonna the Iranian government is just like Trump was in a huge dilemma how to look strong how to look show to the his base that he's strong what without escalating escalating things to a full out war now the Iranian regime is in the exact same dilemma all these people in Iran that want revenge they want blood they want a military action how could i how could we show them that we're strong how could we satisfy them because this is our base i mean it, the, the people that hate us they hate us at least these are people that love us that love the love Soleimani. we can't lose these people or else nobody likes us so how could we satisfy them but also not escalate to a full-out war this is the dilemma that both trump and the islamic republic is facing at the same time and it's so hard to play this game it's so hard like how could they say like 
they're they're secretly telling each other, please don't retaliate too hard. Please let me have a something to give. Give me something that I could hit on your side, so I could satisfy these people on my side. While you also shut up, they both want something to the other side to give them something that is strong, but also something that they could f- finally say, "We've done enough. We don't need to go retaliate even more." That's what I think. So all these people that are saying Trump wants war, Trump wants war, I think they're completely wrong, and you know, I think they this they both want. It's but it's really hard to play this game because. The problem is that the both sides, uh, even though the top officials don't want a full full out war, there are people under them that want a war. There are some neocons under around Trump and these you know lobbyists and these people that sell weapons under around Trump that they want a full out war. And there are also people around mm, the main top figures that want in Iran that want a war. And they know that this is such a delicate balance to play. And they're thinking that while Iran's government and Trump is playing the stance, if to, if somebody makes a mistake and if they could push, if they could force their government to be like, no, this was not enough, push it a little bit more, they know that they could just push them to a full-on collision, right? So because they're so close, they just they're just trying to push them all the way in, and that's what's that's why when you this is why one small mistake or one small misreading of what the other side's intention is could trigger a full-on collision. And that's why it's so dangerous. Even though both sides don't, don't want a full-on war, it's so, such a hard dance to play to come close but not go all the way and not let these people behind you push you all the way into a full-on war. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of what you're saying today, Armin, makes sense. <laughs> I, I just today, just, just today, just no, today. Okay. Uh, uh, this is uh, someone was asking. I think the super chat, um, the New Zealand one. Uh, they were asking about how the Democrats plan to play this, and this is a tweet from Nancy Pelosi. She's saying we're closely monitoring the situation following bombings targeting U.S. troops in Iraq. We must ensure the safety of our service members, including ending 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 needless provocations from the administration and demanding that Iran cease its violence. America and world cannot afford war. Um, so, yeah, that's also another thing that they're saying, that, you know, you you take their our rules of engagement, you follow, and then, you know, if this is something that is truly needless and is being done because of everybody's egos, and you're going to send American soldiers there. I mean, this is the, 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 the one of the, the positions of the Democrats is going to be, you're sending American soldiers there, they're going to go there. They're going to get their hands and feet and their their body parts blown off. Um, uh, they're going. Many of them are going to die in this in this situation of the war, just like thousands and thousands of them died in Iraq. And what they, I mean, the truth is they all kind of died in vain. Right. Right. They, that was really a, a war that, that was a complete waste. It was a complete waste of lives. If anybody who fought in Iraq and was injured and everything, I mean, that happened for absolutely no reason. It's a terrible thing to say, but unfortunately, it's true. Uh, so the Democrats will uh, probably take that position, and that's another angle that they're going to go with. You know. It's, so. Um, yeah, you know. None well, of, uh, sorry, none of, no. By the way, just to make sure that I'm not defending Trump too much for people that think that maybe I'm making excuses for Trump. No, nobody's defending Trump. Everybody no, knows neither. neither no, no, of us not if people. Trump fans. Put, trust me, I know people that uh, come after me after these shows. Yeah, people, it doesn't matter me, what they say. Let me just let me just tell you so, something so that they can't say anything. None of this would have happened if Trump didn't pull out of that deal. <laughs> none of this yeah, would have happened. <laughs> none of this would have happened if the nuclear deal was so uh, was still. On the table right so, yeah 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 i know 
So, so here's the thing. So this threat about attacking inside America if the U.S. response to the missile attacks. So we've talked about whether there's going to be a war or not. Seeming from this like super crazy, super optimistic tweet from Trump, which is very uncharacteristic of him, right? Like it, it all is well, everything's great, everything's going. I mean, that's what he said. Now I'm going to make a statement in the morning. Nobody died, you know. And so he's doing this in response to attacks by Iran on U.S. military bases in Iraq, and this it makes amazing sense. kind of optimism. The tweet makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I understand. You know why it makes why sense? It makes sense, but yeah. Can I tell you what why? he? No, yeah, yeah, sure. Because look, both Zarif's tweet. The Zarif tweeted that the con we conclude this. Yeah, we con okay. we're concluding so this. So both yeah. the Zarif tweet, which is the foreign minister, uh, foreign minister of Iran, and Trump de-escalation. Yeah, both of them make sense because Zarif is like we conclude our re responses because Zarif is trying to be like we're not going to do anything else. So it's a signal to United States like don't re-escalate this because we're we're ending this here. And also Trump's tweet also makes sense right now because he's saying all is well because he's trying to say like it wasn't that big of an attack, so we don't need to respond. I think both it might seem nobody died. Nobody died. It seems like both sides are trying to say like let's end it here. We we don't need to go any further. I think this might be a, a sign from both sides. That, that's what I'm looking at. That's yeah. what it seems like I to me. And I, I think that's what it seems like to most people. I, it, it, to, to me, I, I think that's what it is. But now this new threat, to, I mean, this attack, this threat to attack inside the U.S. if the U.S. responds, um, is that something that uh, is going to, I mean, they've done that threat. Is that something Trump's going to take him up on? I think that he's going to get out of it. He's yeah. going to do that speech tomorrow and this he'll is, be like, you know, we did this. This is why yeah, I, but, Trump was supposed, I think Trump was supposed to make a speech t tonight, but then they stopped. But he didn't. Yeah, I think, right. I think it might have been, hey, what, what, Mir is saying, hey, my super chat, what's, okay, Mir, stop, t stop typing the same thing. Um, what oh, wait, super, what's chat? Your super chat? Sorry, I missed it. We did, no, we We're read following. it. Mir Jalal. Mir Jalal, we read it. Yeah, we it. already read it. Oh. We did, we did read it, Mirjala, we promise. Maybe you missed it, maybe, I don't know. Thank you, yeah. for modding, though. Guys, don't keep typing the same comment over and over again. Um, yeah, okay, so... <sighs> okay, I think it's good here. Let's, uh, we should... Any, if you have any last questions in the live chat, I'm going to look at the Facebook live chat. Uh, oh. Yeah, let me just check. Uh, there, there are a couple of questions, so let me just oh, can let's you take let, a couple let, of questions. And also the tweet that I posted a couple of... I'm going to bring up that tweet to see if there was any questions under that. Because I asked people if they have any questions. Let me bring that up. Yeah, a, a lot of people actually in the live chat are asking about that plane crash. No. Ukrainian okay. air plane crash in Iran. Oh, people asking about it. Uh, it crashed in Tehran. Um, did the, the question is, did... Uh, who said this? Like, did Iran bring down a plane? No. Avi Nash is asking. We did don't Iran... know. Guys. Please. We don't know. We don't know. And probably... Not. I, I know it's a... Yeah. It's a very, very juicy coincidence. But... Yeah. I sound like a psychopath. I'm such an asshole. It's mm -hmm. terrible. I shouldn't do that. Um, Why did you say that? Now this whole video is going to get completely limited view. Don't you can't say asshole? Yeah, say no. Stop saying that. Now it's, it's worse if you say it multiple times. Oh, God. All right. Let me read okay, like, okay, okay. some of the questions that because I asked a few uh, on January 3rd what questions people have. Um, somebody is asked, how do Iranian citizens feel about the assassination? Is this good news for the Kurds in Iran? Um, so the Iranian people... 
the Iranian citizens cannot say, okay, if anybody tells you that this is what the Iranian people th think, tell them to be to shut the F up because like uh, don't make such generalized claims uh, don't on, on behalf of such large group of people, okay? Iranian citizens don't feel any specific thing about any of this because for any opinion that you think of, you can find it, all right? Uh, less reliable um, polls in Iran compared to other countries because you really can't get people's opinions. Uh, you know, everybody, what I could tell you that every, almost every side tries to make it so, make it seem like they're the majority. Like the people, Iranians that are happy, that are dancing in the streets that uh, Soleimani was killed, that are celebrating, I've seen parties, I've seen people dancing, I've seen people singing, they're celebrating the fact that uh, Soleimani was killed. Those people will say that they're the majority. They don't know that, they're just saying that because they want to be the majority. And also the people that are in the streets for the funerals of Soleimani, they're saying that this was a loss, this was a, they lost their protector, they lost their guardian and all that nonsense. Uh, those people are also claimed to be the majority, um, um, but they are not the majority. Uh, they don't know if they're the majority because Mir Jalal is saying he has sent us two super chats. Can you check what the other super chat was? Uh, I, I I'm sorry, Mir Jalal. I think I missed the other one. Mir Jalal, uh, uh, I I'm not actually. I don't know if I missed it. Can you just retype uh, the super, the, your question? I'll read it, Mir Jalal. I'll just I'll yeah, just, just retype the question. Yeah, retype it. I'll read it even even if it's not. And super thank chat. you. Thank you again for the super chat. Yes. Um, okay. So next question is. Let me see. How do you see things affecting the whole Middle East? Is there any chance for stability in the Middle East? Is there any chance for Iran and its people? How much destruction is the U.S. capable of causing? Can you see the, any peaceful solution? Whoa, this question, they want us to... Okay, so that's a... How many episodes do we need to answer this question? Uh, yeah, that's a, like, make all your predictions. Tell us the future of the Middle East. <laughs> it's good. All right. Then I can't. Okay, so that we're gonna keep having some episodes on this topic. So I, th that's a whole bunch of questions. That's just like ten episodes right there. So uh, we'll we'll respond to those in future episodes. Uh, I want. Uh, I have. I th there's a question I wanted to kind of address yeah. from uh, Azad and Fucker again. Is uh, um, what do we expect as a reaction from the rest of the Muslim world, e.g., Pakistan, UAE, etc.? I, I have noticed something, and I want to say this as someone of Pakistani background who's Shia, who grew up surrounded by a lot of Khomeini pictures because he was a hero to a lot of my um, standard family relatives and things like that. Their people were very, very uh, supportive of the Iranian revolution. They idealized it. Um, that they, a lot of them do have their Shia blinders on. Yeah. So uh, many of them, they do think of uh, Soleimani as a good guy. Um, even the ones that don't, they, they don't think he was a good guy. They don't think that they think he was fighting against the U.S. and they look at what the U.S. has done around the world and what the U.S. is, uh, you know, basically is equivalent to that. They're like, if we can, they took out a, a military general in Iran, that's really no different. I mean, shouldn't we take out somebody, the military generals who are involved in the U.S.'s war in, on Yemen? And so they, they think of it as, as the same way. So they, they don't see it very differently. Um, and... Can I uh, there is a strange thing. A, a lot of them also support uh, Assad and uh, pretty much everything associated with Iran. So yeah. I, I don't think there's much objectivity there. 
yeah. they don't necessarily actually i think uh, call Mir- things out Mir- yeah. uh, he sent me his question on facebook because he was timed out on youtube let me just read his question mirjala is saying the left's hypocrisy is disgusting they maul trump over yemen yet don't speak a word on iran's crime in syria Iran has got a free card because it's killing terrorists. Remember the children of Syria when you cry about Qasem. Yes, exactly. A lot of the people that are against United States imperialism, they make excuses for Iran's, the Islamic Republic's imperialism uh, in the Middle East. Uh, this guy was, a lot of people make uh, excuses. Uh, this is exactly what Kyle Kulisky was saying also at Secular Talk. He was like, oh, this guy, this guy was a U.S. ally. He defeated ISIS. He was against ISIS. He was on our side. He, was, he didn't just kill ISIS, okay? He killed Sunni civilians. Civilians, okay? For the, for the accusation of being ISIS, okay? Just because now pro-Al-Qaeda, pro because they attacked ISIS, huh? Al-Qaeda was against ISIS. Are you guys now pro-Al-Qaeda because they attacked ISIS? No. Just because another terrorist group is against one terrorist group, you don't become pro-one of them. You were against both of them. Yeah. But, but There's but, this idea. I mean, people say, well, Saudi Arabia is celebrating and all the Sunni jihadists are very happy that the U.S. Like, took out Soleimani. Of course, the Sunni jihadists are going to be very happy that the U.S. took out Soleimani. That doesn't mean that... That doesn't make Soleimani a good guy. It doesn't make the Sunni jihadists like a good. It doesn't mean that anybody's aligned with the Sunni jihadists. It doesn't work that way. The Middle East is not one of those places where you can take sides right. um, with different things because everybody there's a lot of factions fighting a lot of different factions, and there's uh, the, the enemy of my enemy is not my friend is not the kind of thing that you can apply. In any kind of like uh, Middle East geopolitics, you know, a lot uh, of question. A lot of, no, no. Let me, let me, let me say something. Yeah, else. yeah. Go ahead. A lot of these people, a lot of these people are always asking, "Why is America there? What, what is American soldiers doing there?" Which is a legitimate question. But you know what? They never ask, "What are Iranian soldiers doing there?" What? Like, yeah. Okay. Iraq is not the United States. Iraq, like, United States has no business being in Iraq. But they, why don't you ask the same question? Why don't you be consistent and ask, "Well, this is." Iraq is also not Iran. What is Iranian soldiers? Why are Iranian influences doing there? Why, why are you asking for United States to get out, but you're not asking for um, Iranian imperialist groups to get out? Exactly. You know, you, why are you right, not being right. consistent with your, uh, with your, you know, with, with your uh, values? Um, and again, one thing I could tell you is that as bad as, no, I'm not going to say that. No, say it now. You no, have no, to no. Say I'm not going to say it. Go on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. No, okay. it was wrong. It was you can wrong. add a disclaimer. No, no, it's wrong. It's wrong. I, I changed my mind in, in mere seconds, so that's what I'm not going to say. Wow. Okay, so Armin can change his mind. That's great. Yeah. And actually, he can. I know that. Yeah. Uh, so here's a, Sayyid Ali is asking, was it not good to remove Saddam? Um, so this is actually, I think this is a really good question because it gets to the heart of whether it was good to take out Soleimani or not. Because So Saddam, for instance, terrible man, Iraq, like the whole idea was that Saddam was a terrible man. He did terrible things to his own people, to Iraqis. He did terrible things to everybody else. So he was a complete tyrant. And it's uh, it's good that he's gone. Nobody's going to lose any sleep that Saddam's gone. But what happened after Saddam was removed? After Saddam was removed, uh, there was, you know, people talk about the, the hundreds of thousands of civilian deaths in Iraq during the Iraq War. Most of those deaths were actually because of sectarian violence. So yes, the U.S. did a lot of damage in Iraq. It like it contributed to it by you know the whole uh, bringing down Saddam and everything. And yes, you had an election and you had a Shia government that came around, and uh, you know that had consequences. It made Iran stronger and everything like that. But it also um, plunged Iraq into 
a lot of problems after Saddam was removed. So the uh, the the rise of ISIS, for instance, the growth of Iranian influence in Iraq, uh, which we're seeing the manifestations of now, um, and uh, the infighting, the Shia Sunni sectarian violence, the Kurdish, like all of these factions fighting together, which was actually what what resulted in the majority of the civilian deaths in Iraq during the Iraq War and the the invasion by the U.S. So. The conclusion, like, you know, what's the inference you make of this? That, yes, it's a good thing that Saddam is gone, but it's very important the way that you do it. You have to have a strategy. You can't just have a tactic. You can't just go in and do something. You have to have a strategy. You have to think about what the aftermath is going to be. Right? Very famously, George Bush did not know the difference between Shias and Sunnis Mm -hmm. when the Iraq War happened. Okay, he actually did not know. He was asking about it. He's like, oh, the Shia Sunni, tell me about this. He didn't know, and he was a president of the United States. You can't go in and do things like that in the Middle East without knowing these things. Was there a way to have a regime change strategy? Yes, there probably was, but it should have been thought out. It should have been talked about. Um, The aftermath should have been thought about. Uh, These are all very, very important things. And the same thing applies now, right? The same thing applies now. Nobody's arguing. Nobody's going to lose any sleep that uh, Soleimani is dead. The problem is... What happens afterwards? Has anybody planned for it? I haven't seen a foreign-led regime change that has went well since World War II. Has it? Has there any been any? Only the only one that went okay was removing Hitler by you know with the support of Americans. But has there any been any other good examples ever since? I don't know. But uh, Chris, if you can think of another good example uh, since World War II, I mean that was that was definitely it was a regime change. It was basically. It wasn't. It was in response to like a very, very aggressive kind of. I know, um, but I'm just saying like a, that's, that's, outside, yeah. that was, you know, that was the time that United States was seen as like a savior of the world because they came out and helped. Uh, but ever since then, uh, Vietnam, I don't know, uh, everywhere else, uh, Cambodia, uh, Iraq, uh, it's been like disaster after disaster. So. Has there been any other good examples ever since then? But Chris is saying uh, it was recently. Uh, Chris, we we already responded to that. We don't think war. I think there, it's still not likely that there's going to be a war unless the people that want a war manage to uh, figure out how to create some confusion. As of right now, because you might be listening to this while there's a war going on, yeah. you'd be like, "Oh, what." But as of right now, as of the time that we are recording this, right, right, both uh, 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 Jawad Zarif has said that we have concluded this thing by responding with the two missiles. Apparently, it seems that they warned the U.S. about it before. Okay, um, and the U.S. was able to clear out all of the people from those two bases, so nobody died in the war. And then Trump replied with Ooh. his tweet saying, "All is well." You know, it's, it's, so it seems like they're both really, they're both willing to de-escalate. Yes. So it probably won't be a war, but honestly, who knows? Okay, who knows? By the forgot, time we're listening to this. We forgot, we forgot Celestial Nightshade's question right at the top. And she and she already had to do another what was it? chat. To, to so remind, yeah, I asked so her sorry. To, <laughs> no, I, no, that question was like, what, what was what, it? The Israel and Dubai question. But let me go all the way to the top. So sorry, sorry. She gave us another super chat to remind us that she has a question. Yeah, so, and okay. so she, uh, yes, I'm really sorry about today. So, We've got a lot of okay, people so on the, the question stream. Is, so the question is, how yeah. would the Middle East respond if Iran attacked Dubai, Dubai, and Israel? 
Oh, um, I mean, that's such a chaotic situation. I, I honestly, if it, Middle East, give me a give me a country name. Like I can't. Okay, which countries are you talking about? Are you talking about Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates? Uh, are you talking about Egypt? Well, Egypt is in North Africa. But are you talking about like um, who else? You're talking about Israel itself. Like which countries? Like it really depends on which country you're talking about. And to to for me because we could go through down around the list and each one how how would they respond? Could each one of it could be its own episode, right? Um, so, I mean, if 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 Iran attacked Dubai, okay, and again, if they attack Dubai and not Israel, that would be a different answer. If they attack Israel and not Dubai, that would be a different answer. And if they attack Israel and Dubai at the same time, that would be a different answer. Uh, and again, depends on which country you're talking about. So there's so many multiple scenarios. You, you need to be a little bit more specific. But but I can tell you that it will create a lot more unity um, between countries against Iran. Okay. So for example, right now United States is, is taking position against. Hey, my my camera went out of focus. Come on, fix. Um, a lot of <laughs> so United States is taking position against. Iran's interest without the backing of either Arabs or Europeans, which is very bizarre because the United States has gone through stages like sometimes it has European backing and then not more recently not Europeans have you know looked at the United States like what the hell you're doing ever since Trump backed up the US deal, uh, Iran deal but it had the support of weirdly both Israelis and Arabs against the strong positions that United States was taking against Iran. It had more backing by the Arabs than Israel and not the backing of Europeans. But now recently, United, because of the fear of the Arabs, if Gulf Arabs, and also the fear of Israel, I think, maybe they, they, they changed their mind of the wanting a full-up war. So this position of United States against um, Soleimani, but killing of Soleimani comes with the, neither the backing of Europeans or the backing of the Arabs. So United States seems very lonely uh, in this. It's very lo lonelier than it has been for a very, very long time. So, but if 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 Iran attacks um, United Arab Emirates or Israel, then that will reunite the international community behind United States against Iran's government, right? So that's what it would do. And that's why it would be a very strategically dumb thing for Iran to do. But I don't think they would do it. I think this is just like empty threats. I could be wrong. They could be forced into that position by neocons or like other people to, again, push. Again, you might be listening to this uh, while we're while we're in a full-out war, listening to this and be like, "Oh, Armin Rio is actually wrong," but I'm I'm leaving the possibility that somebody makes some stupid decision or makes some mis misreading or miscalculation. Um, again, it's very it is when you're on such a thin rope trying to balance this, it's very easy to be tipped over to one side. So. I don't think it's anybody has this uh, is anyone's agenda. Uh, the main decision makers have this agenda, but the people that do have an agenda for war, they might be able to uh, take advantage of this chaos right now. Alex is saying Armin actually has knowledge of these issues. Ali sees the world as no, guys. Ali is pretty good. 
as a 2D cartoon where Dubai can't tell the difference between Sony's uh, as a 2D cartoon where Dubia can't tell the difference between Sony and Shiba. Actually, that was a very credible report. This was actually a widely known report from that time. Yeah. Um, this isn't uh, me speaking. This was from the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and they'd actually uh, outlined a conversation that he'd had where he'd asked his, um, uh, you know, his staff and everything, someone in his cabinet, uh, yeah. to explain to him the differences between Shias and Sunnis. He, he, this is. Now the thing is whether all of that was false or fake news is another thing, but it's pretty widely accepted um, and a widely reported thing uh, from back then. I think some of you guys uh, may be a little younger than I am. Yuval, some of you, only Yuval, some of you. Yuval, who's from, his Israeli, uh, in the is saying that Israel won't hold punches if attacked by Iran or its proxies. Israeli commander in chief already said Israelis should brace for the worst war Israeli has gone through. Yeah, I mean, of course, how, if, if Israel is attacked by Iran's military, it would be it would be very unexpected to for Israel to hold back, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, any country almost would. Yeah. Um, what a Shirazi. So let's take, let's take one more question and then but, uh, we okay, got to wrap just, up. But, but, but sh the person in the live chat, when they're asking about the Shirazi position, are you talking about the, um, you, you know, the Shirazi mullahs in the United Kingdom, which are against the Velayat Faqi? Are you talking about those kind of Shirazis? Which, which Shirazi are you specifically talking about? Okay, take one more question, Ali. Yeah, so the, one more question. So may I know during the U.S. is from Chi Kiat Yong? Uh, may I know, during the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 20, 2003, why some Shia were against the U.S. Army while some supported it? Why is there a split within the Iraqi Shia communities? Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, Do you okay. want to take that? So, okay. again, there's many different philosophies here, right? So, there's different reasons to stop. Okay, so if you're a Shia uh, in Iraq, right? Uh, why, so why are some of the reasons why you would be against... United States in Iraq, and why? Are, what are some of the reasons why you would be for United States in Iraq? The reasons why you would be against them are like, get out of my country, um, submitting. This is Iraq. Why are foreigners in general? Why are all foreigners here? Why can't we just elect our own government and run our own country? Uh, so what this would this is why you would be one reason why you would be against it as a Shia in Iraq. Another reason why you might be against the United States in Iraq as a Shia is not that you're against all forms of foreign intervention. You might be one of those uh, Iranian supporters, one of those Shias that supports the Velayat Faqih back in Iran. And uh, you could be like for Iranian intervention. And that's why you would be against all things American, whether it's in Iraq or anywhere else, right? So that's the second reason why you might be against uh, United States in Iraq. As a Shia, why you would be for United States in Iraq? Maybe because of security reasons, you think that your your Iraq's military is not yet equipped to defend uh, Iraqi civilians against ISIS, um, and you might think that Iran's is either not capable or Iran's in, Iran protecting Iraqis against ISIS will flame sectarian um, you know divisions. So you think that the United States needs to be there to protect you Shias against ISIS because you're not there yet. You need help. Uh, what else? What other reason you might have? Oh, another well, reason. I mean, another reason why you might be before United States being uh, in Iraq is because even if you're a, you, you might be a Shia that uh, is not for 
the velayat faqih version of Shia Islam. You're not for, even though you're Shia, maybe you're not interested in Iran dominating the politics of Iraq. So you think that you might need Uni United States in Iraq as a balancing against the influence of Iran Iraq. So those, I'm not saying any of mm. these reasons are good or bad. I'm just saying these are yeah. the possible <coughs> scenarios why you might be for United States being um, in yeah, Iraq. It was it was kind of uh, interesting because I think that there is also an element, the broader thing of uh, nationalism versus religious solidarity. So uh, there is the Shia story here, and there's also the Iraqi versus Irani story. So in, in, interestingly, when the Iraq War happened, you had Muqtada al-Sadr's army, the al Was it the al army that he named it? Um, Muqtada al-Sadr, yeah, yeah, Mahdi army. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Mahdi army. So he had yeah, done this, and he was actually. Army, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was pressing against back against the U.S. Uh, and then on the other hand, Sistani, who was, you know, one of the uh, sort of an also an Ayatollah, he's an Iranian guy, lives in, well, he lives in Iraq. Um, he was uh, actually pretty uh, calm. He didn't really comment a whole lot. He didn't really talk a whole lot. And there are some reports that he was actually working with the Americans in some cases and helping out. So I, one of the reasons that some Shias, and I remember talking to Shias who were very happy. They're like, this is great. Saddam's going to go. Iraq is 65-70% Shia. Um, they're going to elect a Shia government. The Shia is going to come back in power. And next thing you know, Iraq and Iran have an alliance. And uh, the Shia is going to have a much stronger for the, yeah. uh, thing in the, in, the, in the Middle East. So let me, um, let me add there was some ambivalence there. But, about yeah. Sistani and Al-Sadr. By the way, can you hear the knocking? There's some construction going on. Is it bad? Yeah, it's not that it's loud. Bad? It's fine. Okay. I don't think anybody cares. No. Okay, so um, the... It could be a missile. <laughs> yeah. So here's uh, the, no, no, no. okay. Hold on. Let me just Sistani and Al Sadr. You know, these two. You know, these these Shia leaders in Iraq are seen usually as competitors to because these are not the Layat Faqih version of Shia Islam. These are seen as competitor uh, Shia sources of influence to the Velayat Faqih back in Tehran, right? So a lot of times they're, they are sometimes working with each other, with Iranians, and sometimes they're against each other and it keeps going back and forward. But the problem with United States taking out, you know, Shia militias in Iraq is that it forces, the, because the Shias become so defensive against like Americans taking out Shia positions, is that it forces... It might some, some some people argue that it might forces these other major sources of influence in uh, Iraq to be backing militias, like to be supportive of Iranian-backed militias in Iraq, because that's such a popular thing at that time to say. Because here's the th this is another thing that Iran benefits from this whole situation. All the attention from the protests in Iran has been now taken away to all of this. This is this Iran could really benefit a little to show a little bit of a unity and not just between the Iranian people to support the government to create that illusion that there's some unity because of all the number thousands you know, hundreds of thousands of people to, they came out to to for the funeral of Soleimani but also to show some unity in the Middle East at least among the Shias right um, uh, so this really this really helps them um, especially at this time that the protests showed so, so much division in Iran and people were like, oh, look, the Iranian people want to topple the government. But now they're like, look, we have more people actually coming out on our side. We have bigger crowds than the protests coming out on our side. And 
Um, and you know, it's very interesting because these Shia, the Sistanis and Ansadars of the world, when after the protests in, in Iran, they came out against the Velayat Faqi and they were like, maybe don't stop mistreating your people, right? So he, those protests was helping create divisions move people, move opinions away from the Islamic government. But now these attacks on Soleimani is helping the Islamic Republic bring force people to have messages of unity with Islamic Republic. So they are trying to cash in as, as much as possible because this illusion of unity it's not going to last long, but it's very impressive. If you look at the number of people that are out there in the street, and if you look at all the messages of unity to Iran from all these Shia sources, and even some Sunni and even some Christian sources I've seen, uh, you know, in Lebanon, and weirdly. Um, this is looks very impressive, but it's not going to last long because the underlying sectarian divisions between Sunnis and Shias and the non velayat Faqi Shias uh, versus velayat Faqi Shias and the econo underlying economic problems that people have in Iran is going to come. Those are not, these PR strategies are are not going to make those go away. You know, you're not going to PR and you know demonstrations in the street is good is good show. But it's not going to put bread, uh, you know, it's gonna, not going to put food on the table for people. Those are going to still be a problem that you need to solve. By the way, with regards right. to the question about the Shirazi Imam, which are not Vilayat Faqi, honestly, the question you're asking, I don't know what the answer to that is because I don't know, I haven't, whenever the Shirazi Imams uh, speak, it's mostly against the Vilayat Faqi in Iran. I haven't paid attention to their position on the U.S. or any other country because most of their most of their positions that get attention is their position against Velayat uh, Faqih people. So I don't know the answer to that question. That's a good question. Anyways, Ali. Right. So anyway, yeah, we're gonna wrap up. I want to read this uh, uh, the comment from RPG Gamer Guy saying. I think Armin and Ali should start a Secular Jihadist News Hour. One of the reasons I watch this podcast is because they're both completely unbiased and report only the facts as it should be. Um, I really, really appreciate that, but I, I don't think we'd say we're completely unbiased. I it's think hard. Has their own we, try, we try to be unbiased, we do, we, but it's uh, Yeah, but it's we impossible. try to talk about it. Part of, part, of, yeah. part of, here's a trick actually, part of trying to be unbiased is knowing that you will fail. Right, because yeah. because knowing that you are going to always have some bias will make you conscious to try harder to know that there's always some bias there, and you tr always try to notice your bias. Because if you think you have no bias, then you're fa you're failing at recognizing your biases. Right. In fact, sometimes the biases that you know you can't get rid of, at least be transparent about those biases because it's impossible to be unbiased. Like, for example, some biases that I know I can't get rid of is my anti-Islam bias. Right. So I know I can't get rid of that bias. So at least what I'm going to do instead of get, getting rid of that bi uh, bias is to tell you that I have that bias and be transparent about that bias. Yeah. So anyway, well said. Anyway, we're going to wrap this up now and we're probably, this is not going to be the first live stream about this. We're probably going to do, um, we're going to talk about this a lot. So, and in this case, again, I just want to repeat Armin. Um, oh, is, Azad is uh, saying, get, follow. Well, Azad is saying, get on that Patreon, goddammit. Yes, people, please support this show. <laughs> we're doing a lot of work. It goes a lot. The work that we put in this show, like, is not just what you see coming live. It's a lot of re reading, researching, you know, 
there's a lot of. Oh, and, and we have a whole team that's also yeah, working on. Yeah, we have people on, on that are big that there. are editing, cutting the videos in small little pieces. We have to pay them. Um, you know, please help us support this show. The link is in the description. Become a patron today. Thank you. Uh, you know, I always forget to plug the show, but as I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm grateful that Azad is in the live chat to remind us. Uh, he, uh, he, he or she is saying, "Get on that Patreon, goddammit!" Like, yes, please, please, guys, support this show. Um, That's you know, uh, for is, the, li is the link. Is yeah, the link is yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, it's a Patreon.com/sjme. Mm. So if you go there, there's there's a lot of choices. What you can do is you can uh, pay per episode. You can cap it to this one dollar a month if you want to. I mean, it's uh, it's whatever you want to give. And if you can't financially support the show, show again, that's perfectly fine. Um, share share uh, what, what we do yeah. on if your you social media, us, on your Twitter, Facebook, you, Instagram. If you can support us financially, share, 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 because and give us reviews on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. reviews on iTunes because because Facebook and YouTube don't they don't like the topics that we suggest that we cover. It's very you know so they don't recommend us. They don't let our channels grow. Um, the algorithms have completely changed against us. So, you know, all the other channels that grew, they did it before these algorithm changes. So we are the major disadvantage here. So please, to, to we rely, because we don't have the algorithm on, the, on our side, we rely on you guys sharing our shows. So please, if you, can't, right. so if you cannot support us financially, uh, please share our uh, videos. And we're grateful. Right. There's also a request from Mars uh, for more uh, Q&A episodes. So okay. I think we could do that. I, I don't know yeah. what... Let us know. Let us know if we should do one, maybe one Q and A episode a month, or uh, you know, once every two months, uh, whatever you think. Um, we should do it. We'd, we'd be happy to do that. I think that was a lot of fun, and a lot of a lot of you really enjoyed it too. I think you know we had a lot of questions. We had it was actually a really really good episode. The time totally flew by. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th this is a very important topic. I want to stress again that everybody follow Armin Navabi. It's uh, on uh, especially on Twitter. It's Armin Navabi. It's his name. Uh, that's his handle. He's uh, he's got a lot of really really good perspectives on Iran. A lot of people who want to know about what's happening in Iran um, actually follow him for it, uh, and he has direct contacts in Iran that he gets content from. He gets videos and and everything from that he posts and he shares. Or just uh, quite a bit. So a... I, I also uh, whenever there's an important you know subscribe to our channel YouTube channel. Yeah, subscribe, subscribe to our channel and you'll and you'll get that as well. Yeah. So make sure you do that. Anyway, Armin. Yeah. Uh, thank you for this. This was like now I know I, I think everything to know about this. We're going to be following this. Anything else happens, I'll let you know. Yeah, we might have to do right? if this escalates. We might have to do more live streams than this. Yeah, we'll do it, yeah. and it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, I'll be looking you, forward Beach. to it. Beach is so. awesome. Beach, you're you're awesome. <laughs> All yeah. right, guys. Okay, till so, till next time, and happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, happy New Year. Bye. What a great start. <laughs> okay, bye. The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends, write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions, or head over to secularjihadists.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you.